Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. Today is Monday, January 17. Happy Martin Luther King Day. What's up, everybody? I am Josh Newberg, your host. Today, I have two experts with me, Chris Nee, Zach Blostein of Knowles 24-7. Uh, we're going to have a little recruiting-centric podcast today, seeing as it was a, it was a visit weekend. Um, toward the end, we'll update a little bit on FSU's expiring coaching contracts and also talk some Florida State hoops. Uh, Chris, welcome yeah. to the show. How you doing, bud? Good, man. Good morning. Good morning. Zach, how you doing? Hanging in there. Mm. Long weekend, I can tell. Burn it on both ends. Good for you, Zach. We're going to get into it. Florida State hosted their first junior day, sort of. Over the weekend, um, Chris, I wouldn't really call it a junior day, but from what I'm told, this is kind of what we should expect for the rest of the spring. Yeah, it felt really focused. They had about 20 kids in total on Saturday, about 25 total when the weekend wraps up here today on Monday. So it's, it's much more of a focused idea than a just, hey, let's have a bunch of kids in and show them around, have to bring out a bus in order to take them around campus. We didn't have that factor to it. So it felt... Uh, it felt like it was a invite only type event, but obviously the NCAA doesn't allow invite only events, but these were kids that FSU definitely wanted to have on campus. Good to see. And we've, we've said on the Knowles 24 message message board over the last couple of weeks that we don't expect a big junior day, meaning I don't think we're going to see the day where there's 75, 80 kids on campus on a Saturday going through tours, loading up the buses, doing all that sort of thing. From what I've been told, Florida State wants to keep it more intimate. You know, they don't want to have five running backs on campus that they all that they they want to recruit all five of them. But, you know, you only have one running back coach or same goes for all the positions. So, Zach, what what did you see this weekend um, just from from being out on the bench? Yeah, I think you you pointed it out great. I don't think it was a setup like other junior days we've seen in the past where it's more of a group kind of experience. It was more personal. Um, there was no buses taking, you know, these guys around to different parts of campus. It was all cart tours with uh, an FSU coach assigned to each, um, you know, tour with the recruit and their family. So um, definitely in, in the post-visit interviews, we got some some responses from some guys that said that that was something they liked about how personal it was. I think Lucas Simmons, we'll talk about him more, the four-star offensive lineman out of Clearwater Academy, um, said that he that was something that stood out to him the most was that the visit was personal. It wasn't a group experience. Um, he wasn't, you know, getting talked to uh, in a group setting. It was all personal with Alex Atkins and the other coaches on staff. So I think it, I think this is a, a method, you know, it's a different method. Not, you know, not many schools are doing this. Um, a lot of schools prefer their traditional junior days, kind of creates more hype to get more kids on campus. But if FSU can accomplish the same thing and get those kids on campus still, regardless of what the event um, is named or, you know, how much it's, it's hyped up, I think uh, this method will pay off. It was also right. impressive. They kind of staggered everything. It wasn't like every single kid showed up at 9 a.m. It was a mix of kids showing up from about nine to two and then kids leaving essentially from about one to six. So over 20, 20 kids or about a five hour period for each kid, you're able to kind of stagger things. You know, you didn't have three O-linemen in the room at the exact same time. You were able to talk to Lucas Simmons intensely and then talk to a Roderick Kearney intensely. I thought that was kind of a, I mean, from our perspective, from our end of getting up with guys, it was actually very nice because it wasn't one onslaught at one time, but I think it also benefited the kids and the coaches of having that individual personalized time. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've, I've picked up with the staff is 
Just because they do something one year doesn't mean they're going to do it the next. A lot of the things this staff does, there's a reason to it. And it's usually uh, very timely to what's happening in that moment. For example, Midnight Madness. I don't know if we'll see another Midnight Madness. Midnight Madness was special because of the timeliness of it. Recruits had not been able to take visits for well over a year. So there was this. There was this sense of like getting back to normalcy. Kids wanted to be out on the road at midnight to make their first visit. I don't know necessarily if everything that Florida State's done in the past will be repeated the way that they did it in the past. Do you agree with that, Chris? Do you feel that this staff kind of just picks what they need to do in that in that moment? Yeah, I, I think, for example, Midnight Madness was a first come, first serve, be the first to the table kind of event. I don't think you have that this year, would it be an open calendar compared to last year? But I, I think this staff is about relationships. I think they understand when you've only won X amount of games over two years and, you know, on-field results aren't going to breed success in recruiting that relationships is going to have to be the key. And they worked hard on relationships last year when that was still a thing. As you win more on the field, mm-hmm. you change how you recruit. But right now, for them to land kids of a high caliber that will help them win, they have to build strong relationships with them and hope in the end they went out on more than they lose out on. Okay. We're going to get into some of the names that were on campus, but before we do, I just wondered, and both of you can chime in, Zach, I'll ask you first, just what was the, what was the tone of the staff? Because the signing day wasn't that long ago. Um, things didn't exactly go as planned. The Travis Hunter deal went South and it seemed like recruiting momentum may have slowed down. What was the tone of the staff? What was like, what was the energy in the air uh, for this first junior day? Well, I can speak to, to Mike Norvell, just about every recruit that came on campus. Um, he, not, he might not have been the first person out to greet that recruit, but at some point while they were walking into the Moore Center, he would come out and just basically scream um, in excitement that, you know, they were on campus. Yeah, that was, we heard that scream probably what, 10 times, Chris? Yeah, we heard quite a few. Oh, yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> so the energy was up. It wasn't a yeah. it wasn't a somber. To, OK, good to know. It, I just, they seemed it seemed similar to what it seemed like when we saw them first come out of building back last June when they were first able to do it again. It didn't mm-hmm. seem any different. And it seemed like the tone was different. It didn't seem like the approach personally was different. Now, they they are happy to get the kids that they're trying to recruit on campus. They're going to work to get other kids on campus over the next two weekends, heading into a dead period in February. And their approach was kind of the same. It was about, you know, head coach being out there, a uh, position coach, coordinator of that side of the ball, maybe an area recruiter who knows them, support staff members, uh, you know, guys like Austin Tucker and Cooper who are, uh, coaches but not technically on-field coaches like you know the Alex Atkins and mm-hmm. the worlds they were out there they were dealing with kids you know Coop was involved with Lucas Simmons Jason Zandamella quite a bit Roger Kearney to a lesser degree but those first two guys he was kind of attached at the hip with the Clearwater kids as they were here so no it, it didn't feel different and it feel like there was a black cloud over it or that they felt like a different kind of urgency it felt very similar to what they've done in the past with the energy and the approach. Okay, good. All right, let's get into some of the names, Zach. Uh, let's start with Friday. Uh, there was a light group of visitors that came in Friday, but there was two big name wide receivers in that group. Yeah, um, so there's two blue chip receivers that, that came onto Florida State's campus on Friday. The first being four-star uh, wide out out of North Carolina, Noah Rogers. Um, and then the other was, uh, I believe it's Zephyr Hills. Is that where he's out of? Yeah, yeah Wiregrass High School. School. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Br- Bryson Rogers was also on campus on Friday. Um, I think of the two, Bryson's probably the guy they have the better shot at landing just because Noah Rogers is more of a national recruit. Um, he's got a lot of – These are not he's brothers. Like, These no, guys not. are not related. They actually spell their name – differently right Different. one has a d in rogers yeah. one, one doesn't so just for clarification they're two four-star wide receivers that have the last name spelled differently that came in one from in-state one from out of state so you're telling us the in-state guy we have a better shot at yeah correct um they've been on him longer he took visits to florida or he was at fsu's home game two of fsu's home games this past season notre dame and miami 
um, two, you know, great games to be at. I think, uh, you know, FSU put themselves in the recruitment of Noah Rogers. I don't think they're going to land him um, mm-hmm. based on, you know, our conversation after his visit. Uh, but I, but I, I like where they stand with Bryson. I think, um, I think FSU is a good shot there. They got to keep getting him on campus, obviously, and he's going to go see some other schools. But he's a legit like 6'2 or 6'3 wide out that's got speed. So, you know, I, I like where FSU sits there, obviously, uh, really early on in his recruitment. The composite has him as a top 300 kid, top, I believe, 40 wide receiver. It's a good wide receiver class in 2023, too. He's tall. He's lanky, as Zach mentioned. He's also a really good route runner. They had him, I believe, at camp back in June. I want to say he actually came up mm-hmm. with uh, Brady's group from Tampa that came up on June 20th. Worked out, so they kind of have that familiarity with him. They've been down there to see him. He's been on campus multiple times. He was with mom and some others, I believe a coach, and I believe dad on this visit as well. Mom actually reached out after we wrote the story, uh, mentioned, you know, she appreciated the story. They seemed to all have a very, very good time. Bryson seemed very at ease with the visit, very comfortable around the university. He put out, I believe it was a top seven here at the start of the month. FSU was part of that. FSU is going to be a serious contender here. A lot of people thought Florida was a major school with him. The transition in Gainesville has kind of put them on the back burner. We'll see if they kind of reemerge in this recruitment. Mm-hmm. Now, Noah Rogers out of North Carolina. Um, Chris, I, I remember you threw in the group chat. I think it was you after you interviewed him that you just didn't think Florida State had a great shot. What was it about your conversation with him? Why, why do you say that? That was actually Zach that brought that up. But just body language wise, you can tell when a kid's really at ease and really comfortable and really enjoying a visit. Mm-hmm. You can also tell when a kid just seemingly is kind of taking a visit. Going through the motions. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's there. That. He's that's going what, through it. That's what Noah Rogers looked like from a distance. I mean, right. great looking kid, ton going on. But I, I don't know. I just I think that was him kind of checking one off the list. Right. More than anything. I, I just didn't it didn't come off with a vibe of. FSU is going to be a major contender. Now we'll see if he shows back up in March, maybe for spring ball, summer for a camp, or next year for a game. That can change the dynamics of it. But now nah, Bryson Rogers definitely came off as more likely target and the guy that definitely seemed to be more interested in being there than Noah Rogers on Friday. Okay. Um, before we move on to Florida State four-star quarterback Chris Parson, who who was on campus today, was there anybody else on Friday that we want to talk about? No, they, they had a, a walk-on candidate in, but he's somebody that they're just kind of going through the motions with, and we'll see where that goes. They, and walk-ons is kind of a weird thing where you, you know, you're, you're not really giving them the scholarship opportunity at the university, so they don't really lock themselves in until they step on campus. Until they have to, right? So, all right, so four-star quarterback Chris Parson committed to Florida State from Brentwood, Tennessee, a vocal recruiter. He's been committed to FSU almost – a year now? When did he commit? Like in the summer? I think it was like in July. Um, Chris Parson was back in Tallahassee this weekend. It was his first chance to meet with new OC Alex Atkins in person for the first time. It was the fir- it was a chance to meet Tony Tokars, his new quarterback coach for the first time. Both people he has great relationship with. But Zach, um, Chris Parson was back. Tell us a little bit about his visit and his time in Tallahassee. Yeah, like you mentioned, there was a lot of, you know, Things different about this trip versus the trip he took, I think it was back in June of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, new OC and a new quarterback's coach that he had to meet. Um, and that was the biggest focal point of the trip. Um, from the start, he greeted everyone on staff. Uh, they all came out to greet him. And then um, he was attached at the hip with Tony Tarko- Tokars for the rest of the, the visit. Alex Atkins was also involved. I think they they met um, and, you know, sat down and talked about the offense and how they, you know, want to scheme him up uh, within that scheme. And I think uh, I think everything went as well as it could. Um, he he loves Tony Tokars based on, you know, our conversation after the visit. Uh, they really hit it off. And then Alex Atkins, obviously, is able mm-hmm. to relate to pretty much anyone. Um, and, you know, yeah, he said he's a funny guy and he loves being around him. So on those two fronts, everything went perfect. And then um, Parson, like you said, is a big recruiter. He was mostly focused on 2023 wideout Tyler Williams. Um, that was kind of the guy that he pointed out and, and talked about extensively in our interview on all 24-7. Um, you guys can read that right now. He goes way into depth about that. But basically said that um, when they were on a golf cart tour, uh, they were originally on separate carts, um, and then they stopped somewhere. And he even he 
brought up to the staff, like, yo, let me sit on the cart with him. And, you know, I can, I can recruit him for the rest of this tour. Um, and, you know, that happened. And I think things went pretty well there. Uh, FSU is trying to get into that re- like recruitment. Um, he's a really talented wideout. We'll talk more extensively about him in a second. But yeah, everything from from all accounts, Chris Parson was on campus for over eight hours on Saturday. Nice. So it was a long visit and it was, uh, you know, everything, you know, I think like Chris likes to say, it checked all the boxes. Yeah. And I don't think, and I know this is great. Don't get me wrong. Chris Parson needs to be on campus as much as he can, but there's been no concern over his recruitment. For those that are listening, um, Chris Parson has been great through the transition from Dillingham to Atkins. Um, the coaching staff handled it great. Dillingham uh, let him know beforehand that he was going to take the job. He understood. Alex Atkins and Tony Tokars did a great job of following up and making sure that there was no, you know, there was no gap where nobody was hitting up Chris Parson for FSU. They, were, they made sure that they handed it off. And, and part of that's credit to Kenny Dillingham. Part of that is just credit to FSU um, making sure that, you know, they're as detailed as possible in these recruitments. Um, you, we, we talked about Tyler Williams. He's a four-star wide receiver out of Lakeland. So let's move on and talk a little bit more about some of the other guys that were on campus this weekend. Um, Tyler Williams, Chris, out of Lakeland, Florida, not Lake Gibson. Um, why are we optimistic about this Lakeland prospect, Tyler Williams? He has some ties to the program. He's related to the Williams family of Carlos and Vince Williams. He's also a kid that FSU was very early on with an offer, and that he's just in general interested in FSU. Mm-hmm. Now, he came off in a post-interview that he's going to evaluate several options. That he's a kid not trying to move along too fast. But there is a great deal of interest on his part in FSU. He's a great-looking receiver body-wise. The athleticism shows up on tape. Really, really talented kid. You know, they had him and Adam Hopkins from uh, just up the road in Thomas County. Thomasville, yeah. Thomasville Thomas County Central kid. He, they were two receivers that were on campus. I think they wholeheartedly would love to add to their roster. Adam Hopkins, I, when I initially crystal balled him, we thought maybe he was going to be a corner. I mean, I crystal balled him like in July or something. But is he, in fact, definitely going to play wide receiver on the next level? It seems in talking to him, that's what he's that's what he's mentioning. That's definitely it's it comes off as definitely his preference to play mm-hmm. wide receiver. He's also outstanding at wide receiver. Now, the athletic profile of the kid. Yeah, he could definitely play on either side of the ball. He can get away with being a corner. He's explosive. Got those good hips, changed his directions well, very active with his hands, things that translate to either side as a corner or a receiver, but he catches it at a high level. Right. That's why I think he'll uh, probably end up sticking at wide receiver. He's been a regular on campus at FSU. They keep getting him down. He's a kid that they actually went to see on Friday when they first could have hit the road again. Chris Thompson, Mike Norvell went up there to see him. He's teammates with a very talented DN and Gabe Harris, too. So he's not the only target at the school, but he is the only target at the school that showed up on Saturday. Interesting, considering Gabe Harris is is such a important target for Florida State and a one time commitment. But nonetheless, um, there was other talent on campus. Zach, before we get into the offensive linemen, any other skill players, wide receivers, anybody you want to you want to talk about before we talk about the big men? Um, I, I mean, we can point out the tight end they had on campus, Skylar Mann. I think Chris can talk about him more. He was he was awesome to interview, but. Um, Chris kind of handled that. Yeah, there, there was Skyler, man. Uh, Keon Brown is a kid who could play on either side of ball. Keon Brown, yeah. Yeah, he's a record player. He could play receiver. He could play DB. Um, they offered him. He views himself as an athlete. He talked as though he's a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. But watching his film, I think he could easily play on either side of ball. Um, and it will be interesting to see how that recruiting progresses. His visit was relatively brief. He was one of the first ones through the door got the offer, but they also left fairly early, I think around noon to one. So they were only there about three, three and a half hours. Um, Keon was a little (laughs) shell-shocked when we talked to him. He wasn't the About the offer? Yeah, he was just excited as a local That's awesome. It's his first one. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's tall, he's lanky, he's athletic. Those are things that you love to see in a kid. I think that's one of those offers you're going to keep an eye on and kind of evaluate further. I don't know if he's the kind of kid that could have – sat down in Mike Norvell's office at that moment when he got committed. But I do think he's a kid that they're going to definitely keep a close eye on, especially with being a local. And Rickards has a couple kids that have a D1 shot, including Keon. So it makes sense for FSU as a local school to keep going yeah. and seeing them. Uh, Skyler Mann, who – or I'm sorry, Zach referenced, 
Um, yeah, he's from Peach County, right up there in Georgia. Real good school, produced quite a few kids that have gone to Georgia over recent years. Karis Jackson is one that came to mind immediately when I heard the kid was there from Peach County. Skyler Mann is about a six foot two, 220, 25 pound linebacker body. Mm-hmm. You, you look at him, you think linebacker. FSU actually likes him as like a tight end, uh, more like an H back tight end. FSU believes he's going to grow another inch or so, so 6'3", 6'4", range, and that he can get up to around 245. If you watch his film of him at tight end, he's a capable receiver, does a good job kind of going after the ball in the air, working his way down the field. The athleticism down the field isn't, like, mind-blowing, but it's not bad either, but he's an outstanding Does he have spark numbers? I have no clue on that. Because if Uh, we got a 6'3", 220-pound tight end, with spark numbers, he might just be a take right off the bat. He Sight unseen. Yeah, all right, I, all right. I, I digress. I okay. is what's so appealing about him. But, hey, he has a hell of a personality. Him and Zach became fast friends. We took photos together. It was pretty funny. Uh, he roped Zach into that because I told him I wanted to get a good headshot. I don't think he wanted to take a headshot immediately. So we had to warm him up for a second. Yeah. But, and uh, I see he has, he has early offers from Charlotte, Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern. Uh, yeah. George is taking a look at him. He's going to yeah, go take a visit out. there at the end of the month. So he could, he's, he's a, he's a good looking athlete that is a little bit raw and yeah. could see his stock rise this spring. And he's going to get looks on both sides of the ball. Schools are going to like him as a linebacker. Some are going to like him as like blocking H back tight end type. Um, you know, I could see Clemson looking at him as like a three in their offense. Where mm-hmm. they do and some. Um, but it just personality wise, enjoyable kid to deal with. Trying to think of any other offensive skill. Cam Davis was there. Twenty twenty four. Yeah, lengthy FSU commitment. One hundred percent null. The most significant thing. I'll put the interview up today. He said that he hopes to come to college and play both baseball and football. Baseball is probably a bigger concern at this stage of that process for him of pulling him away from football. But he definitely made it sound like he intends to go to college. Nice. Okay. Um, Roderick Kearney, a four star offensive lineman. Let's move it over to the the big the big guys that showed up. Uh, he came in from Orange Park, Florida. Uh, Zach, what was his experience like for Florida, his first trip to Florida State? Well, yeah, I mean, he's been on campus before, but this was his most extensive visit to Florida State, most in-depth. Um, and he came away saying that FSU is his number one school uh, at this time, and that was obviously a really good good uh, um, thing to hear for the FSU staff, I guess. And, you know, with Coach – Alex Atkins, he's had a longstanding relationship with him, uh, with Kearney and his family. Um, and I and I think that's kind of the, the difference here. They have a really good relationship. Uh, he, he talks about how real the FSU staff is. And, um, you know, Kearney, Kearney is a, a good looking kid. I think mm-hmm. he could, right now they're probably projecting him as an offensive guard. Yeah, we have um, him listed at 6'4", 290. Do you guys think that that checked out? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right about where he, where he was. But okay. yeah, so I think Alex Atkins wants uh, him to grow a little bit more. He thinks he's going to uh, grow, grow a little bit more as well. Um, and if that happens, I think he becomes a tackle prospect. But for right now, he's a guard. Um, and I think uh, I think FSU has a really good shot. Um, he's going to take some more visits. I think he's got UCF at the end of the month. Um, and I'll probably hit a lot, hit up a lot more schools in March. Um, but FSU's sitting well for a for a blue chip offensive lineman in state right now. Who's their competition? Who do you think's gonna? Who who do you think they're gonna be battling here? Um, I look at his offer list. I, I you know obviously it's early. I looked at it too because you got well Michigan did offer just a couple of days ago. Um, you got Duke. You got Georgia offered in November, so we need to see if that's legit. If he goes to visit there. Um, he has a Florida offer, but it looks like it was from a while ago. So we got to see if if the new staff there recruits him. Yeah, I think this is an interesting one. Um, we have him ranked as an interior offensive lineman, number nineteen overall, number three hundred. I'm sorry, number nineteen interior offensive lineman, three hundred ninth best player overall. Um, I think he is going to explode in the spring. Uh, he's one. Uh, think of Florida offensive lineman next mm-hmm. year's class. There's Nigel Harris at IMG, who's pretty damn good. Um, Lucas Simmons, obviously at Clearwater, you know, he's not technically really a Florida kid, but he is in Florida. He's another one whose frame is going to be so appealing to people, but Kearney is big with girth, with athleticism and a hell of a work ethic. And if he can grow about an inch or two, 
his opportunities are going to expand along with his height. Um, Cause I think people will view him more as definitely a tackle prospect than an interior guy. And that obviously always increases your value, mm-hmm. but he, he's really well liked by people over in the Jacksonville area that know him, uh, both people that coach him and people that don't coach him who are in coaching think very highly of him. I just, he's one of those kids I'd, I'd kind of be willing to bet on as being someone who sees a hell of a lot of opportunities come his way. If he's willing to play with a little patience. All right. Another big man that was on campus was Ocala, Florida, Trinity Catholic offensive tackle, Tommy Kinsler. Uh, he checked in at six, six, three thirty. He's a three-star prospect ranked as an offensive tackle. What did you guys think of Tommy? I chatted with him afterwards. I think he told me he's actually up to three forty-four right now. He's massive. He's a big old boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he looks like a wrecking ball guard type, big body, but he's also tall enough to get away with probably being outside. If he slims down a bit and feet are fine. Uh, nice kid, bubbly personality, enjoyable to deal with. He's right down the road from Gainesville, obviously, with being in Ocala. The only place that he's been to as much as FSU is UF. Uh, pretty early in the process for him. Those two schools are definitely standing out and have made an impression. He came to three games at FSU, came back for this visit. Mom and dad accompanied him on this visit. He really enjoyed it. He likes Alex Atkins a lot, relates to him well. It feels like one of those where FSU, if they want to make a big push, they're wholeheartedly positioned to do so. Very nice. Um, Anybody else? Any other big men that you guys want to talk about? We brought up Lucas Simmons. Mm -hmm. uh, Clearwater kid, very high on FSU at this point. Framed kill for, you know, very long, very lanky. A lot of room to fill out. uh, Has some high-level college football offensive line bloodlines to him. Yeah, he's a guy that I think FSU thinks really, really highly of, and he has that body that can be a left tackle as he develops further. And he actually came with a teammate, Jason Zandamella, a younger brother of a kid named Bruno Zandamella, who was at Clearwater as well and kind of shot up in height, went from about 6'2 to 6'8", I was told, and essentially in offseason. Jason's a little bit short and cut off right now. He's probably about 6'2", 250-ish in that ballpark. But very thick in the middle, uh, athletic. They like FSU views him as a center prospect. They like him where he is now if he stayed this way as a center prospect. But I think they're also sort of banking on him also having a growth spurt and seeing where that takes him. So they jumped on board early through an offer in there. Virginia Tech prior staff had previously offered late in the fall this past year. So those are his two offers at this stage. But He's a kid that probably sees increased interest in the spring and as he continues to grow. Right. And he's a 2024 prospect. So um, Florida State had a successful weekend. They didn't host anybody on Sunday, correct? Sunday was a day off. Correct. All right. So we saw a couple offers go out, namely Keon Brown and Jason Zandamella. Any other names that you're watching that could get offered that you saw over the weekend? Most of the uh, kids that came through have an offer. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a couple youngins from Shelley County, uh, Jalua Solomon and Zayden Walker. They came through their 24 and 25 kids. They got a good bit of uh, interest from the staff. Dontavious Braswell was another running back that came through. He's already been offered by the staff. Uh, on the defensive side, there was guys like Charles Lester, Jalen Mbakwe, DJ Pickett, and Dijon Johnson all in the secondary. All of them already have offers. Pickett and Mbakwe are both younger. Mbakwe is 24. Pickett's, I believe, 25. Zach, feel free to correct me if I'm incorrect on that. Uh, Lester's a kid I personally like a whole lot. Dijon Johnson is a kid that Adam Fuller's pretty high on from down your way, Josh. He's at Tampa, Florida, Wharton. He's a guy that they really liked his film from this past year and how much he had grown from the prior year with regards to what he's putting on film. So they were high on him. And uh, one other kid I don't think we mentioned, Jeremiah Cobb. He's another running back talent from Alabama. Austin Tucker's actually pretty involved in that recruitment, it seems. I know Austin deals with a lot of kids in Alabama, so he helped get them through the door. He also already has an FSU offer. So Is again, he 23? Uh, yeah, he's 23, and he was one of several running backs on campus. I think they're going to keep getting running backs on campus. I, I could not tell you right now definitively who I think their 23 running back target is mm-hmm. after Richard Young. Like I think Richard Young is a clear-cut top-tier guy for them. But that's going to be a hell of a battle with major, major schools. In it. Yeah, they better build out that recruiting board. Right. So I, I don't know who would be one B or two on that board after Richard Young at this point. I feel like there's a lot that they're looking at. They're evaluating. They're getting feel for. That's sort of on par with what running back recruiting has been here the last couple of years. Um, 
So, yeah, but I mean, the general tone of Saturday, most of the kids that stepped on campus already had an offer. Two that stepped on that didn't, Zandamella and Keon Brown, both picked up an offer while they were on campus. So it wasn't one of these where it was a whole lot of stragglers or mm-hmm. it's just kind of torn to campus. It seemed very focused upon kids they legitimately have a great deal of interest in. Good. And that's kind of what we expect to see moving forward on these weekends is, is, is visit groups like this. All right. Um, I think that's it for the weekend. Uh, hey, we did a great, guy. who, who, who we, we forget? Makari Vickers yet? No, uh, yeah, we didn't. No. You're right. Local kid. Yeah. He was so in he, on Friday. Uh, yeah, he was, or he was here early, early on Saturday. Um, but he, he's a really talented local defensive back. I think he's a top 100 guy in our rankings. FSU obviously really likes him. They'd love to have him in this class. He's kind of um, – it's either, in my opinion, how, how I look at this recruitment, it's either FSU or the SEC. Um, that's, how it, that's how I see it. Um, if he stays home, obviously that would be Florida State. But he's also really high on Alabama. I think he's going to visit Texas next week. Um, but FSU did a really good job getting him on campus um, one of the first days they could after the month log or about a month long uh, dead period that was going on from, you know, the middle of December until uh, right around this time in January. I think, uh, you know, before this time, he was kind of, his interest was kind of dwindling at FSU. Um, He kind of hinted at that in our interview, but it sounded like Marcus Woodson and the rest of the staff did a great job at kind of bringing that interest level up. Um, He mentioned it as kind of like a spark uh, that, you know, taking the trip. He seemed really comfortable. like while he was on campus, he was always around Marcus Woodson, um, just kind of hanging out. His mom joined him on the trip. So that was always a good thing. Obviously, local kid, he could just come on his own, but got his mom on campus. That was a huge focal point. Um, so, yeah, I think FSU is going to have to keep getting him on campus. It's like all these local recruitments we always talk about. Um, it seems like FSU kind of has a uh, good momentum early. And then a bunch of these SEC schools get involved and kind of pry them away. Um, yeah, this is this is an important recruitment. Um, Macari Vickers looks like an SEC defensive back right now. Um, he, yeah, I mean, if there was a reward for, uh, you know, off the hoof, just best looking prospect, I think Macari Vickers would win that. Um, he's a must land guy for me for for this class for FSU. I I think uh, they have good shot, um, but they're gonna have to keep getting him on campus, and, and they're gonna have to win some games. Yeah. During number 77 overall in the country, number five safety by the composite. He reminds me a lot of Tyrion Arnold in a lot of ways, uh, physically, the way he plays. He's not quite as elite as I felt Arnold was at this stage, but he's not far off either. Um, but also his approach to recruiting, the interest he gets in recruiting also reminds me a lot of Arnold. I hope it doesn't go the same direction that Arnold went. All right. <clears throat> That wraps up the weekend. Let's move on. But one yeah. one quick footnote on the weekend. Danny O'Neill, who's a young quarterback, 2024 kid, is due in today. To my knowledge, he's the only visitor we know of for sure coming in on Monday as of about 8.30 a.m. Talented uh, quarterback from Cathedral. I believe he has a relationship already with Tony Tokars. What state now, is he from? He's from Indianapolis, Indiana. He plays okay. at Cathedral. He's a kid that went to the Army Combine here two weeks ago. Did really well on the field there. He went seven on seven this weekend down here in Florida. Uh, from what I understand, performed pretty well there. I think his team finished at a very high level, maybe won the whole thing. Um, he's supposed to come over, check it out because he's down here, you know, kind of right place, right time type of deal. Right. But, you know, he, he's a young quarterback, 2024 kid, but he's one of those that's definitely going to be worth keeping an eye on nationally. He already has an offer from Toledo. That offer list will grow as he grows. All right, we'll see if he picks up an offer while he's in Tallahassee. Moving on from the weekend, let's touch on the transfer portal. Um, it's been kind of quiet for Florida State. Not on not on Twitter, but at least in, in, in real life, it's been pretty quiet on the transfer portal. So what is the latest with the – is this going to go down like the uh, infamous – ring ring that was never answered are these eyes from the insiders going to go down unanswered or are we going to get some finality on this sometime soon zach yeah i mean 
it's been dragging along. Obviously, I thought this was going to be over um, probably last week, but there's been some stuff behind the scenes that's making this extend forward. Um, obviously, I don't think any of the other insiders are going to, you know, put some finality to this. It'll probably be the kid or us. Um, but I think uh, I think maybe today is the day. Um, that's what I've been hearing. But um, I'm going to keep checking on that and, and see what's up. Uh, I think there's for those wondering the person that we are referring to that we are waiting on some news is Oregon running back transfer Trey Benson. It seems like he's on his way to Florida State, but he might have taken the wrong turn in the portal. Somebody's got to show him how to get here because we thought this thing was going to go down maybe last Thursday, then Friday, then maybe Saturday. And here we are 9 a.m. on Monday morning and there's still no news on Trey Benson. And this all began because of the eyeballs from Micah Pittman. The eyes. That's the origin point of this. And that's actually proceeding when Trey Benson entered the portal. Now, Benson, from what we understand, already had intentions of entering the portal. Don't believe there's any kind of tampering here. This is more a matter of it was known it was coming, and one of his old buddies from Oregon knew it was coming. FSU has interest. He's from Mississippi originally, therefore probably ties to Marcus Woodson. I'm sure DJ David Johnson's familiar with him as well. So that kind of ties FSU in. Uh, the big sticking point for most people, and hey, me too, is he has a leg that's extremely surgically repaired because he destroyed pretty much everything in the knee, which is no fun. When did he do it? Uh, between, college? I believe it was right between high school and college enrollment, right? Uh, he okay. played a little bit this past season. He played yeah. in, I believe, two or three games, had about six carries, two dozen yards, and a touchdown rushing. So very little production to show. Uh, but it was his first year back, I believe, from that injury. Okay. So it looks like Florida State is going to address their need for a running back with Trey Benson. Um, a bit of a head-scratcher just in terms of production, knowing what's out there and available. Uh, we saw you know, Miami lands Henry Parrish. We know that they kicked the tires on the Wake Forest back. Does it seem a little odd that, it, it, that they're dialed in on Trey Benson? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, There's other think- guys out there with more production. Um, we also have been told, you know, we've been preached the, the word patience. Um, I've infamously said it numerous times that Florida State signed Dylan Gibbons on May 10th, or they got a commitment from him on May 10th. So what do you think the, the pressing need for a running back coming off a major knee injury is? I don't get the rush. That That's, you know, if you, you know, that the process and Trey Benson's your best option, uh, maybe in May, like is another school going to and go and land Trey Benson? I don't know. Um, I don't know if you wait on Florida State, but I just don't personally understand it. Um, he, he's got six career touches uh, with 22 yards and a touchdown. Um, but Deuce Span had five touches. I mean, not, he lacks a major injury, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, also, Deuce Span is for sure getting in in the spring. You know, Trey Benson is that up in the air? I mean, we're, we're a week at past drop ad. Um, you know, I don't know if that's a for sure thing. Obviously, I'll have to do some checking behind the scenes if that's if that's going to be the. Yeah, case. we haven't checked yet, but I do think it's possible. Span's but, also at a position where I think you just have to throw numbers at it at receiver because you you did go over in the high school ranks and nothing at mid year prior to the transfers, and it's a position that you need to bulk up the numbers regardless. Running back, I don't know that you have to reach in quotes right now because you do have numbers at the position. I think I think it's a position you could just as easily wait till after spring and go find somebody as today. Hmm. Yeah, it just reminds me of the rest of their recruiting. I, 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 you know, I don't know if it's a rush as much as it's just finding the low hanging fruit. I mean, what is different about? I thought portal recruiting would be a little bit different than high school recruiting where we don't just go after the guys that, you know, are gettable, but here we are. Um, We'll see what happens with Trey Benson though. I don't think like Zach said, I don't, I don't know if this is guaranteed, but we do hear that it should still be on track. Is that where we're going to leave it right now? Yeah. And we, I also want to make it clear. This is who this has pertained to the entire time. Correct. There were a lot of names thrown out by some different folks. It, Sean Dollars. We saw Jackson. Ben Trey Benson. The yeah, eyeballs have always been Trey Benson. True. The ring ring, I think, was always what? Brian Robinson? I yeah. So. Was that the unanswered ring ring? 
Was it? Yeah. And then Brian Robinson ended up committing in like December. Yeah. Now he's a Marshall Thundering Herd member. Hmm. Life comes at you fast. All right. What else do we got before we get out of here? Um, Well, I have on here, what did we learn over the weekend? But I think we kind of got that out. What we learned, you know, Florida State was just there to build some relationships, get on an intimate group of prospects that they could show mass amounts of attention to. And I I mean, for all intents and purposes, I think this weekend was a success. You guys agree? Yeah, I I think the one other thing is they're going to still get good players on campus. I don't know that they're going to hit at as high of a rate of getting elite star talent on campus right now. I just Mm -hmm. don't think they're a program entering year three of the Mike Norvell era that they have that kind of uh, built in automatic swag with those kids right now. So we've seen, kids, we've seen a couple of the big names already eliminate Florida state, Tony Mitchell. Right. Um, what's his name? Harris, um, AJ Harris, AJ Harris, Cormani McLean. I mean, there's three big time DBs that Florida state had on campus a year ago that we all thought Florida state was going to land a year ago at this time. If they took care of business on the field in 2022 or 2021, Obviously, they didn't. They don't make a bowl game. And you see exactly what happens. Some of the top names on the board are already gone before the cycle begins. So just the fact that this is our starting spot with some of the top players gone, just not even in the mix. I mean, it's going to be a different year. Yeah, it's going to be about getting the best ones you can get, not just, you know, living the dream of hoping Mm -hmm. you can get certain guys. That being said, the Florida State coaches are back on the recruiting trail. They are back out on the road because the dead period is over. Uh, we saw a couple of them go out on, on Friday. This is primarily for 2023 recruiting. But, Chris, there was a 2022 target that you've been watching. Um, tell everybody about what happened on Friday with, with that. Uh, we're talking about Jack Pyburn, defensive end, probably future defensive tackle from Jacksonville, Florida Bowls. Uh, they wanted to go see him to first and foremost check out his measurements. It was Adam Fuller, John Papuchas that went over that way to see him. FSU did not offer from the way it was explained to me. FSU didn't want to throw out the token, hey, we're offering you, just offer him. He doesn't want them to do that either. If this thing's going to be real, then let it be real. You know, if you're offering me, you really want me. They're going to keep talking to each other's mutual interests. I don't think Pyburn's recruitment is going much longer. I don't think it lasts to February. He's a wrestler. He was about to get real heavy with his wrestling season. He went to Auburn Friday, Saturday for an official. He was due at Miami Sunday, Monday for an unofficial. He may take one more visit here in the coming days. There's a few other schools in the mix. FSU is not the one that right now I expect him to take a visit to. I'll check in with him again this week and see, but I I don't think that one happens. I don't think that's one that really gets going. Yeah, it feels like they've been slow playing this one. I mean, they know they know him. He's in and Jacksonville. He's two hours away. They've been watching him for years. Like, they know him. They're just slow playing him. They obviously could add an uh, D lineman and it would benefit him. Yes. But I think it has to be the right kid. I don't think it's just adding a kid to add a kid. They actually like their numbers at those two positions, D end and D tackle, going into the spring. Now there's a hell of a lot of guys that are young who have to develop that you need to see take a next step. Mm-hmm. But I think they have some belief that some of those will. You know, at yeah. D end, they have about 10, 11 guys at the end of the day. Uh, if you include Dennis Briggs over there, which I think they are at this point, Dante yeah. Anderson, who is a PWO, is also at that spot. But he's an addition, you know, then Aaron Hester and then all the guys you brought in last year and the returning guys that you have from last year. And also a guy like Jared Verse, who's going to be at the top of the food chain there. And then that T-tackle, the fact that Lovett and Cooper came back gives you flexibility on That's the defense big. line and some comfort built in. Yeah. And look, I I understand Florida State missed on Nigel E. Kelly and they missed on Marvin Jones Jr. So the people out there that are pulling their hair out saying, why are we not going after Jack Pyburn? Wow. You guys, it's not the same. I mean, you're yeah. talking about a guy that's going to take two to three years to develop and then be able to see the field. And you're comparing him to somebody that was going to come in and make an immediate impact. At this point, you're just saying the only thing comparable to them is Jack would be a number on the roster. Yeah, I mean, they, he's not they, comparable to the guys they recruited. I don't think they believe they were getting both of those kids at any point. Well, they, there may have been a point where they did think they were getting both. No, I'm talking to the fans. I'm saying the, the fans that think we have to offer Jack because what are we doing? We missed on these other guys. Yeah, it, He's not a replacement. I'm for the talking other. from a number standpoint, though. I think the staff believed they'd probably split the difference, maybe get one. Felt like they would get one. They didn't. They went and got Jared Verse. 
Could they still use another one? Yes, they could. Do they have to just take another one to have another body? No. And I think part of the whole idea here right now, and you can argue that sometimes they're definitely doing it and sometimes they're not. They don't want to add guys that kind of just are on the roster, just claiming a spot. They need to add guys have that add guys. value to the roster. Yeah. So, yeah. And that, that's a battle, obviously. And, you know, we were just talking about Trey Benson. I don't know if he adds great value. You know, just being perfectly honest there. Right. But I think somebody in that room who's making that decision, whose future job depends upon it, does believe that. Yeah. I don't this know point, that they believe that about Jack Piper. Right. At this point, it seems like whatever concerns are over Trey Benson are being overruled and they are active with him. So we're going to report on that. With Pyburn, uh, they've been slow playing him. They went to go see him on Friday. They did not offer. So I think the writing's on the wall there that uh, this is probably the last time we talk about him on the podcast. But every time I say that, he'll probably be committed to FSU by the next time we pod. Speak it into existence, Josh. <laughs> so any other news or notes about the coaches on the road you or Zach have that, you know, any any other important stops or these guys just may basically going to their regions and doing their due diligence? They were over in the Jackson area, pretty healthy, seeing like a Sam Singleton at Fleming Island, who's a really talented mm-hmm. 2023 running back, for example. They were also in South Georgia a good bit. That's where Norvell went up to. Norvell also made his way around to some local high schools. I think that's always appreciated that they seem like a priority to the local head coach of the major school. That's something you kind of have to do both for image and because, you know, if they do have kids, it's an easy recruitment because they're down the street. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the main work that we saw on Friday. I don't believe they're out today with it being Martin Luther King Day and a holiday and a quarterback on campus. I do expect them to be back out starting tomorrow. All right. Now, before we wrap it up, how could we not mention Florida State hoops? They've been on a little bit of a run lately. And on Tuesday, they host Duke. Um, Chris, they're four and two in the ACC. Is men's hoops officially back? I wouldn't say officially back. The league's not very good. It's definitely not the ACC of old. It's interesting. There's a lot of we're only in January, but there's already a lot of how many bids will the ACC get come Mm -hmm. March kind of talk. You know, right now, I think for FSU to feel comfortable, they need to be a top three, four team in the league probably to make sure they're dancing in the dance they want to be in. But, yeah, they're 10-5 and five now, 4-2 and two in the league. They've racked up two road wins in the league, NC State. And uh, most recently, they got revenge on Syracuse up at the Carrier Dome this weekend. They also mixed in wins over Miami and Louisville at home this past week. Those were the first losses for those two teams in conference. Louisville's fraudulent team they are not what they thought they were a few weeks ago Miami's very very good starting five with four guys who are knocked down dead shooters and FSU did a good job of winning that one those two rematch on the 22nd so basically in a week FSU heads down to Miami and they get a nice shot at the Canes and FSU's had a nice run over to Hurricanes lately so it'd be impressive for them to continue to do that what do I think FSU needs to do down the stretch? I think they need to win pretty much two out of every three ACC games they play from here on out. They also have a UNF game mixed in as a, a makeup for one of the games that they lost during their COVID pause. They are playing better. The The pause really kind of put them behind the eight ball because December, January is such a growth period for a basketball team, especially one that plays as many players as FSU plays and who has as many new faces as FSU has basically a half dozen guys they rely upon are in their first year with the program. So they needed that continuity and that growth. And it got abruptly just halted essentially for about two and a half weeks. I think that hindered them. I think we've seen good growth. Matthew Cleveland's really come on. He's a killer slasher. If he can knock down the jumpers, he's going to just be able to rack it up against people because he is offensively insanely well-skilled. Naheem McLeod's a big who has to continue to improve for them to have a better possibility of being something because they need to have a dependable, true big body in the system they love to run. And Hamilton's obsession with bigs is one of those where it would benefit them to have something more from McLeod. I think Jalen Worley is a huge piece of the puzzle. Mm. He's, he's struggling with that transition from high school to college. He's a very talented, intelligent young man. He's capable of doing a lot of things. He's a guy who can create off the dribble. He can shoot at a pretty good rate. He can also create for his teammates, but he just seems a bit hesitant right now. And I, I hope that's something he can get through and conquer and get over and do something because Raekwon Evans has come on to some degree to the best that Raekwon Evans can and be dependable. He was huge in the Syracuse win, for example. But I think if you can get Worley to be a nice one-two punch with him at the point guard spot, that alleviates some of the concerns that they have right now. But they also got to get healthy. 
Malik yeah. Osborne's in a boot because of a left ankle injury that's been hindering him. They have four games in eight days here starting now. So I think they're trying to rest him up, get him back, get him to play instead of playing him in all four of those games and setting him back further and having it be a longer-term issue. Tenor Ngome is coming back from a leg injury that's knocked him out for about two months now. It's going to take him a while to get back, but again, he would help with the big man situation they're having. So they got growing pains, but if they can battle through it and win, I think they're coming along. I'm not ready yet to buy in wholeheartedly, but I feel like FSU is a team when I look at the ACC. I think Duke is really good. I think North Carolina is capable of being pretty good. I think after that, it's extremely wide open league. I think FSU is a team that has the most most, uh, growth possibility to them. And if they are able to grow and improve here between January 15th and March 10th-ish mm-hmm. or so, they can do some stuff. They'll have a chance at the end of the day, but they have to avoid losing games they probably shouldn't lose, and they're going to have to steal a win or two they probably shouldn't win. And the Duke game's immensely important. Duke is always important because Duke is Duke. But Duke is a top, I believe, 25 RPI right now. FSU doesn't really have a win of that caliber on their resume. It would go a long way if they were able to add that one. All right. Well, let's see if they can keep it rolling tomorrow night as they take on Duke. Um, Besides that, we will be back this week with another on the bench. I think we might have another interview or a special guest coming on. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And go Noles. season is in full swing which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank stample every weekday as we recap every player from every game we'll talk waiver wire ads drops players to trade for prospects who could make an impact and everything in between make sure to download and follow on apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are found